RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 4, Episode 17, Picard-Crusher Relationship, November 8th, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, all you Star Trek fans, our Star Trek historians. Uh, yes, <laughs> all our canonistas, which I say lovingly. And of course, all you Trekophiles spelled with an F. We have one of those what-if moments. Of course, the whole series is what-ifs, right? Uh, look, Picard is a, a new series. It's coming down the pike, and it's, it's a great time. It's always fun to look back at the uh, roots of Next Generation. But uh, some of them are especially tweaky, in, you know, compared to others. And this week, we're going to look at, um, if I said we're going to look at the origin of the character of Crusher, <laughs> different things might come to mind. But uh, in the early think tank days of the next generation, in the fall of, late fall of 86, uh, only one thing came to mind. If you said the character of Crusher, we only mainly thought of one particular person, um, whose ginger went back and forth in the early stewing days. Listen, take a listen to the sample here. Find us, of course, on Facebook at The Trek Files. Grab our sample document. It's one memo from Bob Justman to Gene Roddenberry in those uh, early, early roots development days of Next Generation. A couple of surprising facets. So take a listen to this sample, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. <laughs> Although Wesley and Captain Picard succeed in finding a common ground, the boy's mother cannot, in the end, deal with her conflicting emotions. She's torn between her strong attraction to Picard and her loyalty to the memory of her husband and her responsibility to her role as a loving mother. Yes, you heard right, Trekophiles. <laughs> Mention Crusher in the early days of Next Generation, and you're talking about Wesley. Or Leslie, depending on what time of time of the uh, development period we're talking. Uh, Dr. Crusher, Beverly, was an afterthought. And that's just an idea that's um, so intriguing in hindsight. So who else to call in uh, to be with us this week was uh, our good friend, friend of the show. You know him from Mission Log, Mission Log Live. And I know him also as the guy that sits across here and helps me record these every week. John Champion, thanks Hello. for going out of your way and dropping in to talk <laughs> yeah. about this. With it was quite the drive to get here. Yeah. Um, this wow, this memo feels uh, for one page to be a little bit of a minefield, just because there's so much that mm -hmm. changed with the characters, but you can also see the potential for some really bad decisions here. <laughs> you really can. I mean, what's so interesting about the early development of any TV show is just you're trying to throw every idea out mm -hmm. there and see mm -hmm. what sticks. And you have to wonder... Um, I mean, it is a brainstorm over It, months, it is, it uh, is, And yeah. that's what it has to be. Yeah, and, and, and you have to wonder, though, uh, when you have something like this is very succinct and very clear, which basically ends with, okay, get rid of the mother. Um, how invested in this idea was Bob Justman? In turn, how invested in this idea was Gene Roddenberry? And who did it take to step up and say, 
this is probably not a great way to go with developing these characters. We should actually embrace and develop the character of Wesley's mother, a.k.a. Dr. Crusher, mm-hmm. and and make something out of her. This, um, There are some seeds of good ideas here that I wish they had followed, and then just some really terrible ideas that, in hindsight, we have to say, oh, thank goodness they didn't go there. Well, there's several levels to this. One of them yeah. is remembering that as the core group of how they would define the characters of the next generation, one of the driving forces was don't repeat the original series, don't repeat the original series. Even to the point of let's not have, aside from let's not just have a token Vulcan, you know, and and recreate that whole dynamic, they went out of the gate with not having a chief engineer, not having a medical officer, a chief medical officer. They really were trying to break up the paradigm of of the roles, of the shipboard roles people would have. In fact, it was was early on, it was in the coffee table. Uh, In fact, early on, it was in that that realm of everyone sitting around the coffee table, the ship flying itself. We're not hunching over mm-hmm. consoles, pushing buttons. Gene was such a big uh, advocate of this. You know, it has to be a plateau. It has to be a paradigm beyond what we saw in the original series. Right. So you're already breaking up the tropes to avoid that repetition. And so people weren't even thinking about doctors and engineers. The other driving force here was that Wesley, uh, A, was one of Gene's initial concepts. He wanted to show a, a bright young person. He wanted. To, he really wanted to be a beacon to all the kids out there who were misunderstood and mm-hmm. not, you know, even though, sadly, in hindsight, Wesley became, right, the kicking dog of, of a lot yeah. of fandom, the way it developed. No fault of Will Wheaton eventually. Right. It was the writing. But um, that that was down the line. Although some of that warning, as we've had prior shows, uh, the warning was in about we have to tre- tread uh, carefully with this teenage character and not yeah. make him into a wonder boy. Yeah. But the fact that he's the focus of this Development and the mother is just this ancillary character. I, there's something about that that's just so it, not only shocking to me because, well, we all know and love Dr. Crusher and Gates McFadden's mm-hmm. portrayal of her, but there's something and, really. And the long saga that that character went through. Well, right. Going right, away yeah, and coming course, back. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there was something really surprising to me in this because. Look, I I get that we want to have a focus on this teenaged character. I get that this is important to how Gene envisions the show. Um, But there's something really bizarre about saying, okay, here's a kid whose father is dead, and we're going to get rid of the mother at the end of the pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something uh, almost really cruel about that to me, um, that... Here's a boy who is still dealing with this, and we're just going to say, well, we just like the way we can mess with the character and grow the the series and stories that we can tell if we don't have the mother around. There's something really awful about that to me that that takes away from the the camaraderie and yes, family that is Star Trek. Now, a lot of what we see in Star Trek uh, is the family that comes from friendship right. and and coworkers. But the what a great family. yeah, what a great opportunity to actually have a family dynamic and let Wesley and his mother grow and develop his characters instead of just saying that this almost feels like giving up. Like, eh, we don't really know what to do with this mother character. Uh, let's just let's just end it after two hours. Well, I'm so I, you've got me thinking now. I'm really trying to put my mind into 1986. Look, flash forward seven years. So much was beloved 
mm-hmm. about DS9. Yeah. Having Jake and Ben to get Jake and his dad together, sure. And to, and I know a lot of and and I want to say that I want to echo what Ira says in the documentary and what you left behind that that dynamic, especially for African American fathers mm-hmm. and sons, seems to be overlooked by TV historians when they talk about groundbreaking yeah, right. portrayals of African American families and other and other minorities on television. That that really was a breakthrough that gets overlooked a lot. But even in that context. It's praised widely. And you can tell. And, you know, and there were trouble. I think some of the troubles with writing Wesley going on. And I think there were voices at the time that tried to speak up for this. But somehow the flow of the show, you know, with all the turnover and, you know, the chaos on the bridge first couple of years. and, And by that time, Will was deciding that the best thing to do would be to move on after four or five years. Mm -hmm. But that whole that was the soup, the mix that some of that family dynamic that gets praised with the Cisco's was a lost potential on next generation. Yeah, truly. And could, but truly. you see the the roots of it are here. It's like that was never really considered. And maybe it was just 1986. Maybe it was just never yeah. a TV staple, a dramatic TV staple that was uppermost in people's minds as they put that together because it really was a lost potential. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I think there's uh, there are a couple, uh, many many things here within this memo, but oh yeah, uh, one I would say uh, other missed opportunity here, one one potential for some real exploration here, is the Wesley and Picard relationship. Mm-hmm. Now they did pay it off uh, when you had episodes like uh, the Final Mission, um, right. and then when you actually brought Wesley back. Uh, it, there were many good moments with those characters, but <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like early on, part of what we were missing here was mm-hmm. some real sympathy and empathy between Picard and Wesley. Look, as much as we can say in this memo, and as much as we can say within the text of the show, well, Picard wasn't responsible for Jack Crusher's death. He tried everything that he could to help him, to save him. Uh, It didn't work out. And we only got a little hint of how that affected Wesley. And I'm sorry, but a 14, 15-year-old kid who lost his father, what, six years prior to that? I can't remember the exact age well, that they look, had established. the Stargazer has been gone for 10, 11 years. Yeah, yeah, okay, so right, right, right. So it had right. to be at least yeah. T- so, yeah, yeah. 10 years or so. So he's six or younger. Right, right. And, I'm sh- and I think the date's been tied down, but for a purpose of discussion, he's under six, let's yeah. say. And, and what's strange to me is that the minute that you bring in Wesley, almost the minute you bring in Wesley. Here's Picard with this real, there's a little bit of of acceptance of the idea that Mm -hmm. there is a kid on board, but tempered almost immediately with, I don't want kids on the bridge. You know, even though Wesley's special, you know, don't want him around and shut up Wesley. And this becomes kind of a a joke and a meme. There still has to be a little bit of sympathy and understanding there. I would love to have had a moment earlier on where Picard could have actually opened up to Wesley about that. And Wesley could have expressed some, uh, not, not, certainly not hatred toward Picard, but, but some, mixed feelings about the fact that he was there when his dad died. I would have loved to have had a moment like that that with a much younger Wesley, uh, first season, second season Wesley, to really kind of get this out in the open. I feel like there's a big missed opportunity for the growth of both of those characters. 
I also feel like we have a big dodged bullet here. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I think that, there's several dodged bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go uh, with that, Mr. I, I'm going to say that the other dodged bullet here is the Picard and Dr. Crusher, Wesley's mom's oh. relationship. Um you know, the the flirtation that they have in an episode like The Naked Now mm-hmm. is sweet. It's fun. It kicks off, you know, a million lines of fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so grateful to this day that the only real uh, depth we got of that relationship is actually in the finale where we have a parallel universe mm-hmm. where they got married and then divorced. And you just get to infer what happened. Well, with you have them. the... the, the the episode where they're mind linked. Yep. Oh, right, right, right. right, right. right. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was a payoff to. Yeah, the, and that was a payoff yeah. too. Yeah, but to but, the P slash C. Yeah, crowd that, yeah. yeah. But it, it, at least you don't have to go down that road, which has killed so many TV shows. Are oh, they right, or right. aren't they? Will they get together? Won't they get oh, together? The moonlighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah moonlighting yeah. or Lois and Clark yeah, or any right. number of these where it really just when it becomes the focus of the show, it kills it. Next Generation mercifully avoided that, gave you the little nuggets when they made sense and when they wouldn't overwhelm and overshadow everything else. So I'm, I'm glad that this memo uh, <laughs> sort of says, like, it, look, it, it, it's... It is this very weird trope where you you sort of say, like, she just can't handle it. I forget what what the exact, uh, uh, you know, Wesley's mother bids farewell to Picard and entreats him to protect and nurture her son. She leaves, you know, uh, content only with the knowledge that Picard will be both mentor and surrogate father to her only child. Again, I find that almost sick and weird. Uh, but right before that, you have this thing about uh, Crusher and Picard. His instincts are strong and the flesh is weak. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow, you we're go really going to go the, that direction? You go, well, yeah. yeah, there's two sides to this coin. Mm-hmm. This memo is very Wesley-centric. We're getting into the Beverly, but let's, let's yeah, put yeah, a little yeah. more context in here. Sure. So this memo, again, this is early, early, early. This is November 8th. The first draft Bible after the brain trust has been, you know, uh, brainstorming is is uh, November 26th. So this is really, really early. Mm-hmm. Wesley is the thrust. And, and if people are a little bothered, you know, uh, Picard has difficult choices to make. Number one, Wesley's emotional well-being is central to his ability to function as his mission's primary scientific human resource. <laughs> right, so yeah. we got to remember, this is people screaming about the, you know, the Wesley meme. Then Wesley saved the ship. In the beginning, that was kind of part of the recipe. Yeah. They yeah, initially yeah, yeah, were going to have Wesley on board because he had developed this landing envelope that allowed you to beam into non-class M mm-hmm. planets with a force field base. I mean, that was going to mm-hmm. be one of the new bits of the show, which right. went away. Right. They greatly toned down Wesley's, you know, boy genius quality. Yeah. Even though anyone who watches the show would say that was toned down. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. But so you're reading this memo. A, it shows how early on in the strata of development it is. But that's what's driving this, that Wesley is the key. And you're talking about it's, it was a waste to throw his mother away as a character and a potential, dramatic potential. Mm-hmm. 
they didn't get at the time. Wesley was the boy. Yeah. What's, well, but here's a, it, it's a shame no matter what to lose a good, strong female right, character. Right. Um, and that just seems like the most obvious thing to here's, work in here. The, you know? Sidebar, yeah. halfway through DS9, when we were still pitching stories, mm-hmm. I, I kept bugging me from day one. We talked about the Cisco's, and yeah. I know I'm switching uh, slightly streams here to go to DS9. I kept going, what happened to Nog's mother and Rom's wife? Yeah. Did they divorce? Right. Is she dead? What right. And I pitched a couple stories, and although they weren't picked up, you saw Ron drop in a couple of mentions. Uh-huh. It was supposed to be a development late in the series. But that's an example of those kinds of things spring yeah. to mind. Yeah, yeah. But again, the, the, the other thing that strikes me about this is, and, and the light bulb does finally go off. And apparently, not in this document, but apparently it's, it's uh, David Gerald at one point that says, why don't we have the mother stay? And, and apparently she was going, the mother, mm-hmm. she was going to be like a school teacher. She was going to be like mm-hmm. a Keiko type character. Mm-hmm. And he said, why don't we have her be the doctor? Now we've combined. It was a, the Beverly's, Beverly doesn't even show up with her own bio page yeah. until the final <laughs> right. Draft of the Writer's Guide in March. Right. There was a November 26th, a February 4th, and then a March 23rd. And not until that final one before casting is going, really going in earnest, that um, um, that we have her defined as an actual character. She is going to – because apparently the other thing about this whole memo is everything is a binary choice. Yeah. We can't have her on because the focus of the show is going to be Wesley and Picard, or the fa- the focus of that relationship. Yeah, in fact, yeah. you see the seeds of the problems of Wesley even here. Look, Wesley feels threatened by the developing attraction between his mother and Picard. This is the only area in which the teenager is vulnerable? Yeah. So, of yeah. course, if that's your mindset, then the mother has to go if your ultimate goal is to develop that. But that's just seeing so many boxes. Yeah, it, so it many, truly is. It truly so is. So many false choices that yeah. I'm, I'm just really surprised that. And maybe that was responding to Gene's enthusiasm for this character, and everybody around was affected by that was going to be the, one of the major impetus of the show. Could be. Could but anyway, be. We, yeah. you know, the whole thing revolves, uh, reveals how early on in the process this was. And again, we have to say this is November 8th. There's a lot more think tanking to go after right. this. <laughs> right. But it, it, it's funny to see, uh, yay, we're glad they brought back the mother, decided that they, they, she could be a mother and a doctor and a character. She didn't have to go away, you know, into the sunset in the pilot. And um, yeah. I mean, it, it just it, but it, it lays the finally, groundwork for why so many lost opportunities, like what, in the character and all of Wesley, and also in the dynamic between mother and son. Yeah, what, what was so many missed opportunities? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just nice to see them at least uh, try after this mm-hmm. memo to avoid a trope that I've pointed out many times: the the incredible number of orphans on Star Trek. You know, let's let's start to change that. If you're going to say that this Enterprise has some kids on it, how about they're okay kids who? Have have a somewhat functional family life, too. Right, and <laughs> we've know? talked about this, yeah. too, but would it have been a positive or maybe just as well pre-Buffy and in the mm. state of development of characters had, you know, the other thing that affected the development of Wesley, much less the mother dynamic here and Picard, was whether the teenager would be a boy or a girl. Yeah. And it went back right. and forth. And I know in the, the casting sides went out in December 
And it was Leslie then, not Wesley. Right, right. Now the time. Now we all know yeah. our audience knows that you read. You were among the many that read for Wesley yeah. as a yeah. child. Yeah, and, and I want to say that was March of '87, early March of '87, which would have yeah. been. And, and yes, by later mm-hmm. writers' guides, they had gone back. Bob was a big. No, wait, wait. I take that back. May. I want to say okay. it was early well, it was May of very definitely decided yeah. to be a boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, Bob Justman was one of the voices that said, "Everybody has the teenage boy. Let's have a teenage girl." Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Again, especially in the era before Buffy, say, mm-hmm. but what in the hands of what came, is it just as well that we didn't do a double whammy on the character and have a, a potential of a female uh, yeah, role which, model mishandled? I, right, right. And that's the thing that could very well have been mishandled <laughs> on this show, given some of the attitudes on display here. Of like, what, what do we do? Well, we, we have to have her with a relationship. You know, her vulnerability will be boys or whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that, there could have been a real mishandling of that. Until here. we got some, some writers. Right. Until the Ron Moores and the Jerry Taylors right. came along. Right, right, to, right. Uh, Renee Echevarria's exactly. to handle that later. Who knows? Who knows? Well, we are left with what we have and yeah. and these snapshots of history. And um, uh <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. It is fascinating. What and, could uh, have been, and, and again, fortunately, what was not. <laughs> and to show us the impact that Will Wheaton and Gates McFadden had yeah. on the characters that we did wind up with what we did wind up with coming out of the gate life. For this. sure. John, thanks again for stopping by. I know this is My a, pleasure. What a topic great one. near and dear to yeah, your heart. Yeah, it truly is. What a great one. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynimacek.com. Trek well, everybody. podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.